from here on out, every foul is flagrant, boy. Let's go. You are now tuned into the chat room, your favorite baller's favorite podcast. All right, welcome back to the chat room podcast. I am the senator, and this is episode six of season three. And with me today, I got Coach. Hey, dude, what's going on? Got Dwayne. Going on. And with us right now, we got a very busy man, very busy man that was able to take some time out of his busy schedule to join us. And we're going to get into a lot of his stories and how he ended up being the busy man that he is today. But we got Braden Anderson with us. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Appreciate you. Appreciate you for sure. Sure, for sure. Gentlemen, how are you guys feeling today? How are you guys doing? Doing good. I'll say that the consensus word of the day for everyone is tired. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Long tired. day, long day. Yeah. You got to yeah. earn that rest. You got to earn it, man. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. So I'm just going to jump in. We're going to go right into the check-in question, see, how, see what you guys are, what your answers will be. So y'all remember the and one, right? You remember the and one mixtapes? Everybody used to make sure they had to get them, get the newest ones, all that stuff. So who was some of the players that you wanted, if you could play with any of those players, who were some of the players that you wanted to play with? Well, I'm like the easiest answer for me is y'all like hot sauce was my guy. Hot sauce was my guy. He, he used to do that thing you put it over your head, put it in your shirt, spin around, he used to do all that stuff. And then he used to come down, dribble the ball, do the slip and slide. And then he was my guy. Hot sauce was definitely my guy. And then after hot sauce, it was uh, AO. He made the league for a little bit. Um, but yeah, those were definitely two, two, two of my guys. I definitely watched a lot of and one when it was on the VHS. Definitely my guys. Hot sauce. Who is the, the bones? Something. Um, bone, yeah. Bone collector. Bone, bone collector. collector. Yeah. Bone collector. Yeah, yeah. Bone collector was my guy, man. Yeah. He, he, was, he, he just, was he just a swaggy with it, man. Yeah. yeah. He was cool. Even, uh, you remember Escalade? Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Escalade. Yeah. He, 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 he was the big dude, too, right? Man. Yeah. 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 He was yeah. tough. Like, the whole the whole tape was tough. Like even um, Ray for Alston, skip to my loo. I used to come down and do spin the ball and dance too. I used to do all that stuff <laughs> in the court. Yeah. <laughs> Who you got, Pepper? No, for me, Ao he was my favorite and one guy. Ao, Ao, yeah, that was my favorite. And obviously, and then from him, it was Skip. And I liked him even more when he came to play for Toronto. That's what I was gonna say. I thought you were gonna say Skip for sure because. Because he he's a Raptor guy. I thought sure you were going to I grew to like him when he came to our team and then he was doing <laughs> the moves in the game. <laughs> calling they were calling travels. Like, you can't skip in an NBA game, man. You gotta, it. It's a travel. He, he's always doing this stuff. He's dribbling ball. Yeah. Dribbling ball and... You can't do that in the NBA. You can't do that. Well, I mean, I mean, there was an era where, like, you can do all those animal stuff in the NBA. Like, with, like, Steve, I, I don't remember, like, Early two thousands, man, you could do all that. Not, not like the, but not with Skip. Most of the way he was doing. Yeah, like, but like you can do like. Traveling. I mean, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade used to get away with. Yeah. Some, some travels. Yeah. Because it true. looked so good, like. Clean, yeah, yeah it looked clean. Yeah. Dwayne Wade's zero cool. was like it. It was you know it was. Yeah. It wasn't really a euro, you know. No, he 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 took what Manu did. Well, man, who kind of started and he like changed it. it. Like, yeah, he modified it. And like he, he kind of did what uh, Giannis is doing right now. Steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kind of did what Giannis is doing right one. now. It was just a little, you know, it was a just pre-step. A, it was a, a little third take. step. Yeah, it was yeah. Easy, the pre step to set it up and one, two. Yeah. Um, yep. Senator, what yeah, about you? Like, 
Uh, for me, it'd be the professor. Um, also air up there. Yeah, he was nice. He was the first one to do 720, right? Mr. 720? And then you guys said the person before, Escalade. Those would be the three mm. that three I had on my list. Escalade. I, I, there was a past Escalade used to always do that I used to try and do all the time where he would dribble it and he would like put it behind his back and point this way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That pass. I'm like, yo, that pass the, is it's so like tough. The, I think it's like the Pistol Pete pass. I don't know what it was. But he, I'm like, yo, that pass is tough. I used to try and do it and I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. Like, <laughs> I, I do the pass and the pass, the pass is fine. That, that was the easy part. It was like looking away yeah. And like getting the, and like getting the defender look away through that was a hard part. The pass was easy, like that's easy stuff. But like it's just like the whole theatric behind it was was the, was the hard part for me. Mm-hmm. True, true, what do you guys true. think about Ball is Life? Like, what do you think about those guys? Because it's you know the culture shifted a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I know some of the the guys I used to play with, like Cesar Guerrero. You know, he was my point guard at Fresno, mm. and he was a big time. Like, just the, the way that he played, like, he was that type of player. Like, if, if you liked and one, like, he was that type of dude, and he really just – he played like that in games, you know? Like, <laughs> that that's how he played. Um, yeah. And it's cool he's found a spot. Like, you know, he's, he's playing in Mexican – you know, leagues in Mexico, and I know he's been doing, like, showcases for Ball is Life, but – yeah, what, no. I mean, what's the perspective I, I, on 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 those on those cats? I think like it's all the part that I like is that is everything is kind of developing and progressing and improving and getting better and it's it's changing with the time. Like like ball is life is like our era and one right. So it's like it's just like but it's more accessible now. So anybody can be a part of it. It's just it, it's it's fun to watch, but to me like. I, I kind of uh, connected to like the whole like actually buying a CD back in the day when you had when you had to actually go out and purchase a CD and the feeling you got like getting that CD and putting it in the CD player and listening to it like that whole feel, it was like a it was a process and the whole thing with like the um the and one mixtapes back in the day like going out getting that VHS putting it in. And like playing it, and then like, like and like and like and like having the intro starting up, where like you see hot sauce doing all this stuff, like all that stuff, like the whole process of that. That's what made the whole and one thing a vibe and a feeling, because it was a, it was like that. It was a feeling more than just like the, the basketball, right? So like, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's this era's and one stuff, and like I'm cool with it, but it's not the same. So right, it's just one of those kind yeah. of things where it just it's, it's just growing, you know. So yeah, I don't know. It's just involved with the time, right? So yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much that's pretty much all it is at this point right now. So uh, they got to they just made it more modern for like the Instagram yeah. and stuff like that. But it's good to see these players getting um, showcased the way how they Facts. do because everyone mm-hmm. everyone runs to their everyone reposts that stuff and then it helps their career when it comes to certain things because then they might get the looks that people on and one may not have got got in the look because maybe do they, they still do the freaking um tapes do, do they still do the freaking and one tour no uh, no, no uh, they don't do the no they're not it's touring. done right it's, it's that's right, okay, yeah, finished yeah because like the the last the last time i remember it being a thing was like when the professor was like on the tour like his own tours like they do their own tours but it's not mm-hmm. an one tour. it's not am one affiliate it's just them doing no it their, I, like, well like because like, i remember like they used to like have like the and one guys play games against like local people no that's what and i'm saying like, and one okay okay and one doesn't have a tour it's just players on there has a tour just yeah going bone games. collector still post stuff I've, I've seen i've seen a lot from mm-hmm. him okay i'll go yeah, I've seen stuff with like in, the professor. Yeah, it's them individually going around. Yeah, yeah. like Venice Beach and stuff. All right, so like last question for the check-in is: Who's one player that you wish you got the chance to see live? Like oh. going to a game, knowing that you wanted to go to a game, see that player play live, and just never had the chance to actually do it. Who's one player that? For me, it's always Michael Jordan. I got. Always, I, I I never got to see him play live. 
I never got to see. I never got to see Jordan play live, and I never got to see Braun. I I, I haven't seen Braun play live yet. Those are those are two guys that I haven't seen play live. I seen Kobe play live. Me too. Lot. I was fortunate enough to see Kobe yeah. play live. I saw Kobe. Yeah, slap the Raptors. <laughs> you didn't I see never, the eighty-one game. No, no, no it way. was another game. No, it wasn't. No, okay, thank God okay. I didn't see that game. If you had that game, that would be a blessing, yeah. man. That, that's a blessing if you're that That'd game. Crazy, yeah. If you had that game, that's crazy. Like that, that game is one of those. That game is a sixty-point game. If you had one of those games, that's like one of those things where like you got to frame that it's ticket. In history. I was yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, like I was yeah. there. Those games. History. Um, for me, it's 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 got to be Jordan, man, and like. I think it's got to be the same for a lot of us in like our age range who yeah. didn't get a chance to see Jordan live. But I was watching this. Um, I can't remember who's hosting hosting it. It might have been like part of my take or something. With yeah, the uh, interruption, I think it was with yeah with our uh, first take with Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, and um, no, it wasn't. I think it was part of my no. Um, pardon the interruption is Mike Wilbon. Pardon the interruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, with AI and Al, ha- Al Harrington, and they were talking about Michael Jordan and how, like, when they saw him play, it was like he it didn't look real to them. Like, and still, and AI was like straight up saying, like, when I see Michael Jordan to this day, it does he Call doesn't look real Jesus. to me. Call yeah, like for Jesus. real. And he's like, and I'm not <laughs> like that about anybody. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not like you can call me whatever you want to call me, but like, I'm not like that. But when it comes to MJ, like that dude doesn't look real to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was going you don't hear people story. say that stuff about anybody else. Anybody. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going back to that story that Reggie Miller told on, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. And he said that he put up like 28 points and Jordan had four points. And at halftime, he was talking trash towards him. And then in the second half, Jordan finished with like 37 points and he finished with 30 points. And then Jordan went back to him and said, don't you ever trash talk black Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, like mine would be mine is Jordan. And also uh, I'm upset that I've seen Steve Nash play, but I didn't get to see Steve Nash play when he was in Phoenix. And that was like mm-hmm. the time that I wanted to that I was really trying to go to the game. Mm-hmm. So those would be two because everyone knows Nash is my favorite player. But Phoenix. Oh, Nash is he really? A, yeah. But Phoenix Nash was a whole was a different was a different yeah. player. So yeah. I wanted to see him in those days, you know? Yeah. I think I think with me, like, yeah, it's Jordan, but like even with that broad thing, I'm gonna I make an effort to go to LA to go watch them play. So Mm. I'm gonna take that off my off my bucket list, but yeah, Jordan is a is a consensus answer. Mm-hmm. Has to be, coach. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Braden, man, you ended up kind of getting your scholarship and going through your whole journey and all that stuff. But like, kind of take us through your journey. Like, when did you start playing ball? Like, what, what was that process like for you? I mean. I, for me, it, it, <laughs> this the whole thing just feels like a movie to me, man. Like <laughs> not always, not always a good movie, right? Yeah. But it, was, it, it all. When I look back now, it it's it's easier because it's like okay, there was there was a plan. There was you know there was something good coming later. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. my um, you know, I, I only exist because of of basketball. So like my so my dad played for Team Nigeria um, in 1991 and the World Basketball Championships, the FIBA World Championships for U19 were in Edmonton, Alberta in 1991. And, he, and so the, him and, you know, Team Nigeria came, came over to Edmonton and competed and things weren't great in Nigeria at the time. And so a bunch of them, I think five or six of them, decided to defect. They were like, we're just going to stay here. We're just, you know, everybody went back on the plane and they're like, we're just going to hang out here. We're going to, you know, find some white girls. And, and, and <laughs> you know, like, they were, they were, you know, they were not playing. They had a plan. They had a plan. They, had a plan. they were like, we're just going to figure this out. 
you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he wasn't always around. Um, you know, I have a decent relationship with him now. Um, obviously wish he was more present in my life. Um, but he left me, he left me a basketball, you know? Um, and that was what I had growing up is my only kind of memory of him and, and, and something that I kind of felt a lot of attachment to in terms of trying to figure out what my identity was. And, you know, I went through a lot, man. Um, you know, not more than, than like, wh what's tough is our community has been through a lot. Yeah. And when I talk about our community, I'm talking about the black community. I'm talking about, especially the black com community in Canada, because we don't have a lot of support. There's not a lot of us. I always felt alone. I always felt isolated, um, mm. especially in Alberta. Yeah. Um, and so, like, when I say, like, things are tough, it's like, I know everybody knows what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not, I don't feel like a victim in the sense that I was the only one going through this kind of stuff. But, like, my stepdad was abusive. I was homeless in and out of the house starting at age 10. You know, like, I was working at Sobeys you know, the grocery store, I was working at Safeway, I was working construction, I was doing like labor work for this dude who was laying concrete and stuff. Like I was doing all sorts of stuff while trying to be in school while trying to play basketball, because I had to support myself. I was trying to, you know, pay Make my way. Yeah, I was trying to pay my $200 a month or whatever. I was paying my friend's parents to sleep on their couches. You know what I mean? Like, I know how that is and and it wasn't easy and so like for me I just saw basketball in the in that time for me as a way it, it was all I had it it was literally every single it, it was my whole future it was it was everything it was probably too much right and I know but I I know that feeling and I think a lot of a lot of us feel that way about the game because it gives us something and it does it does take us like a vehicle it takes it can and it has the power to take anybody i don't care where you're at in life mm -hmm. right and it's it's something that it's it's amazing in that way because there's a lot of people right now and who are talking especially in light of the alston the supreme court case and the talk about athletes getting paid we'll talk about oh you know you got to focus on school and you got and, and like, I will be the first to tell you that school is tremendously important, but you can't lose, like, you can't lose sight of the origin of that opportunity. I went to college because of basketball, period. I would not have had that opportunity to go to college if it wasn't for the game of basketball. And so I think it's something for everybody to know. It doesn't matter where you're at in life basketball is one of those things if you pick that that ball up and, and you put the work in you can create opportunities that were not there like you can create an opportunity right um yeah. and so for me you know the, the the story starts with with just you know I, I was getting kicked off of teams i was i was just trying to figure it out and you know john hegwood and everybody they'll tell you i was struggling it was hard. I had a hard life and people knew that, man, I hope Braden may, he might come to practice. I don't know. I didn't come to practice that often. Maybe I come to the game. Hopefully I was on time for the game, right? Like <laughs> I had things going on, you know, yeah. um, but I was going to ball out <laughs> when I got in there. Yeah, I, I needed it, you know, but I might, I might've taken three buses and hitchhiked to get to the game. But, um, you know, for, for me, it was one opportunity. I went down to North Carolina um, when I was when I was 14 years old. Um, there was a lot of other good players there, Andrew Wiggins being one of them. And you know, but the, it was hard. There was there was 15 of us in a four bedroom apartment, and we were scrapping for food. Like it didn't get easier then, too, right? Like that's a great opportunity, Ro Russell. You know, you get down there with Andrew Wiggins and a, and a great squad, great, some of the best Canadian basketball players in the country. You know, it wasn't easy. We didn't have any money. You know, it was a first-year program. 
So we're scrapping for food, right? And people don't know what that's like being with 15 young men who are, we're all grinding. We all needed it. We needed the game, right? And so we, we, we loved each other, but we hated each other too, because we knew like, we're all competing for the same thing. We're all competing for the same scholarships, the same playing time, the, the same attention and the same food, right? Coach put food in the fridge. The biggest, baddest dudes would go to the fridge, take that food, put it under their mattress. Like, this was, you know, people be on their, some G shit. Like, it was, because there's no, like, imagine a world with no parents, no teacher. Like, there's no, there's no, there was nobody to come in and say, oh, you can't do that. I remember yeah, yeah. this dude, Damal, he, he was like, he was only like 6'6", six, six, but he, he was like, he was like 320 or something like he this dude Damn. he was a big dude like six, you weren't six, messing with this dude can you imagine you didn't want to mess with them all dude you didn't want to mess with that dude <laughs> right like he was from he, he was from the project he, you didn't want to mess with him like you and and so he would just bully us right but like at some point it's like well i'm hungry so i'm i'm going at him i don't yeah. care Right? It's like some Debo shit, right? Everybody's seen Friday, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It was like, I'm going at him. I'm hungry, right? Like, but I think it, it's those sorts of environments and, and, and that kind of struggle that, that pe certain people will rise to the top, right? The cream will rise to the top. And if you can, oh, a lot of people quit, right? A lot of people quit throughout that call home and say, this is crazy over here, right? Um, heck, if we lost games, we wouldn't eat, right? And those sorts of like, and I'm, I'm sure some people have been through that, right? Where if you win, we'll go to McDonald's. If we don't win, we're going home. Gee, we go You're home. Not <laughs> you know what I mean? You guys figure it out. Yeah. Maybe there's some canned, seriously, there'd be like canned corn or something like that in the, <laughs> you know, um, in the pantry, you guys would scrap over that. Um, but it was just a phenomenal and I say phenomenal, not in like a, you know, not in the sense that it was luxurious, but it was phenomenal, the experience in terms of just what it created, like in terms of my mentality, like I was really, that put me through something that like, by the end of that first year, because I, I knew that I didn't want to be there long term, but my goal was, I'm going to, I'm not leaving until I get a scholarship. I'm, I'm going to outlast all of you guys. I don't care. I'll fight for my food. I'll fight for my playing time. I'll fight for these scholarships. I'm not quitting. I'm not leaving. You're not going to beat me. This is mine. I want it more than you do. And, um, and that, that really meant a lot to me. And I, I drew on that experience for a long time. And I still think about the version of myself that got me through that. And, and I remind myself, even now, right, as I work for the sixth largest law firm in the world with everybody who grew up with a silver spoon, went to Yale, Harvard, Columbia, who never went through anything, anything, even um, on the scale in the universe of, of what I've been through to get here and to get to the same place. It's a good reminder for me that even though I didn't come from privilege, and even though I didn't go to those schools that they went to, they didn't go, they, they haven't been to the school I've been through either. Right. And that I, right. Like how, how are they going to compete with a dude who's been through what, what I've been through. And so I think that's something that I always try to remind myself of and, and, and remind the kids of too, is wear your struggles like badges of pride, right. With pride, because it, though that's something that people can't take away from you and people can't compete they really can't compete with somebody who's been through serious adversity and struggle there's just no way that's facts so kind of kind of kind of building off of that like you said you went to college right so like um when did you know that you had an opportunity to kind of play d1 basketball like, like you said you were there with andrew wiggins and Royal russell you were kind of fighting for your spot like everyone fighting for scholarship like when did it click that yo I got a legit chance to play D1. These schools really want me. Like, when did that click for you? So 
I remember going down to Vegas the first time with, with Coach John and, and CYDC Elite. And I, I, first of all, in Canada, I was, yeah, <laughs> forever. I got it. I got it. <laughs> in Canada, I was destroying, like, absolute, like, and my head was big because, of, like, my head was out of control. I thought that I was, I thought I was Michael Jordan, right? Because <laughs> I was just not, I didn't see the competition in Canada. It, it wasn't, it wasn't really, and, and until I went down to Vegas for the first time in, in, you know, I think it was the Super 64, whatever it was, it was a, it was a serious yeah. tournament. And, and and I saw and, and I had I got my ass handed to me, right? Like I, I absolutely I got I got crushed. I don't I don't know what I had. I maybe had eight points or something. Like I, I felt inadequate. I, I it it was a wake up call, right? Like and from that moment I think, and we went home and I didn't have a good tournament at all. Like that whole and from then on I, I was just playing scared. I was like, oh my god. You know, it, and but from when I went home, when I went back, it was an eye opener to to the level of play that was happening. Right. Like I needed that. I needed to see how, like, the level of play that was happening. Right. To to be able to adjust my own game. And um, I think once I started to really internalize that. And then I went down to Spokane. I went down to Vegas again, and I had some success the next year. Um, that I started to realize, and we went down to Houston um, and then played a tournament there. Um, it's really John Hegwood, man. Like he, he, the way that he exposed me to high level basketball, he, he was tough, right? But he did it in a way that, you know, he'll crush you, and then he he'll build you up. And then he'll give you the skills and then he'll let you show what you can do. And um, I, I just think the way that he went about that for me, I started to realize that the next times that we would go down there and I'd start to have some success, I started to feel like I could do it. Um, you know, and when I first w went down to North Carolina, it was still really hard, right? Although I had come a long way, I was really athletic. I had a lot of raw talent, but I didn't, it, it was a, it was a different level of play, you know? Um, mm -hmm. It's really, even, it's hard to describe it. Cause when I think back, it's like, I, I can't watch it. I, I wish I had a video of, of the difference, right. To be able to, we could dissect it as coaches. Right. And we could see, okay, here's what you were doing wrong. Your timing was off. You weren't hustling enough here. Your intensity wasn't right. You weren't being aggressive enough, right? Like we could, di we could dissect it, but I think just all in all, it was just the level of play and and how badly people wanted it, right? And I had to adjust to that. Mm -hmm. tough, tough. So, like, I guess, I guess my last question for you would be like, so after you kind of knew, like, you were in Vegas, playing sixty four, playing with CY kind of battling all these guys in Vegas, which was a huge tournament. The idea of 64 tournament is huge. Um, so being at that, being at that level, like, and then starting to get some offers from like Kentucky, Arizona, Fresno State, can like all, all these kind of big, big programs. Like, what was that recruiting process like for you? It was awesome, man. <laughs> I mean, one, once that happened, it was crazy because there's so many like you think about the haters there this game is crazy because of the competition and how many haters there's going to be and just yeah, yeah. The, the confidence that you have to have like everybody knows what i'm talking about like you don't go down to the to the states at you know as a as a sophomore in 10th grade and become a five-star recruit or, or, or get Kansas or Kentucky to offer you it, it, it that just doesn't really happen, you know? Yeah. And so, so for me, like to be unknown, I went over it. Like when I went down to the States for the first time, I was unknown. Nobody knew who I was. And I, in a situation where nobody thinks you can do it. Not like even coaches probably are like, there's a very low, likelihood right um but 
when you make a promise like that to yourself and you you start to see the fruits of the of your labor and start to get calls like when bill self came to my practice like it was crazy like that was crazy to me like um and you start to realize like i i i really can do this and i'm now um it it was it was absolutely amazing and it was worth it was worth everything it was worth all the work and obviously i went through struggles after that you know i I went through a career ending pretty much neck injury and different things but that doesn't take away from like i can still with perspective think about that moment of, of like signing with kansas and and, and what that meant and the journey and, and how much I thought about CY and how much I thought about every, all my teammates and people who had helped me get there. People who, you know, at Academy, who I grinded with day in and day out. Like it was, it was all for them, man. Like I, I thought about, you know, <laughs> I thought about house league. Like I, I remember just thinking about the whole, everything that went into it. Um, you know, hustling my ass to try to hop on buses and trains and whatever to get to practice, to, to be around a group of, of young men and, and women who were who were positive influences on my life, notwithstanding everything that was going on, right? And mm-hmm. I think we can all, like like CYDC, I know it was that place for me, and I, and I know that it's been that place for a lot of other people that a place where you can find peace and, and solace and, and you don't have to have a perfect life that doesn't like leave that stuff over there. When you, when you show up at practice, when you show up at Academy, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You know what I mean? We're, we're all going to come grind together and sweat together and, 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 and share our love of basketball together, you know? Facts. We, we, we always say a practice, man. Family. It's a family. Exactly. Man. Facts. Exactly. All right. So, yeah, just something that we just actually, you just touched on that day, September 3rd, 2013. Just take us through that, the events of that day in your own words. That was tough, man. It's like... For me, like, for context, I think it's important to know that a month, less than that, two weeks, two weeks prior to that, to that accident happening, I was with Steve Nash and Tristan Thompson and the whole Canadian Olympic team, right? The, the developmental Olympic team for the next Olympics. And, like, the the amount of pride and and joy that that I had being selected to be part of that team. Um, Like every single, to this day, there is not a single person on who's on that team. Who's not playing high level professional ball somewhere. now. Every single person on that team is playing high level ball somewhere. Um, A lot of them are in the NBA. Probably 70% of them are in the NBA. The other 30%, you know, people like Kevin Pangos and others well, are, are just got picked up. level ball. Pangos just got picked up. Right. Oh, where is he at? Who do you get he picked up to, by? He signed to, uh, shit, who do you get? Who you signed to? Is it Cleveland? Chicago? Good. Finally, One man. of them. Like Good. He, he, uh, he, he just got picked up. Like, uh, he signed like a three-year contract, two-year contract. Nice, good. He deserved yeah. he deserved that a long time ago. He, he's yeah. a heck of a, he's been killing of a player. He's been killing. He's been killing. He's yeah. been killing. Of course, yeah. yeah he, he can play basketball. He can play. Yeah. Um, but like my confidence level coming back to campus was through the roof. Like, like doing drills for weeks and having Steve Nash just like watching your footwork and and pulling you over and saying, "Hey." you know, lean your body this way. He was talking to me a lot about my, my body weight and, and where I was leaning and, and controlling my body weight better, which is 
like it, it's those details that like I've never I never even thought about that. Like when I'm doing a spin move, when you're ripping <laughs> through, like like to think about the shift of he, he was like you're leaning like slightly too much this way, and like you should get off balance if this happened. And like the way that he was analyzing my moves, like I, I had never thought of that. Um, and so I came back to campus like ready to go. I was like I'm going one and done. Because Kansas fell through, but I was I, I chose Fresno because I was like, well, I, I'm going to be a big fish in a small pond, and I'm oh, just going to yeah. one and done. I there was other high majors I could have went to, but I chose Fresno because I was like, I just want to go play somewhere that like they'll just get me out. And he had just sent out Tristan, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the, that's Rodney Terry. He he was the guy who recruited Tristan, so I was like, I'm just going to follow this dude. He'll take care of me. It'll be it'll be it'll all be good. And Fresno also had uh, Paul George. And they had just recently sent out Paul George. Yeah. He, he had just went out and, and started to have some success. So, you know, you, you feel like you're in good hands. And, um, you know, the, you know how these college, college coaches are. Like, they, they tell you what, <laughs> what you want to hear. And, and, and hopefully it's true, right? Like, I don't think that they have any ill intent. They just they're playing their game and they got to do what they got to do to recruit. Um, but we're on our way to the casino. Unfortunately, you know it's like it's one of those things. It's not a sin to go to the casino, but it's it, it's obviously not a required thing to do at nine p.m. on a weekday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I but you know I, I was feeling good. I I one you know eight nine hundred bucks the night before playing blackjack and to a college kid with no money that was a heck of a lot of money yeah you know so i was like i'm feeling good like i'm gonna you know i'm trying to let this ride out you know and you know we drove out there and it's a one way and it was a it was a sketchy road and um we got hit by a drunk driver man like head on and I got like ejected into the roof of the truck. And like right away, I knew, I, 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 at first I was confused that I was alive um, because I hit the roof like with crazy force, like crazy, like force that like, what, what shocked me, in, in the, it was hard for me to get in cars after that for a while because we don't think about it, man. Like, when you're driving in, a, like, you don't think about the physics. You don't think about, like, okay, like, I weigh 200 pounds. I am in a two-ton truck moving 80 miles per hour. There are other two you know, two um ton trucks coming at me going the same right like you don't think about like what that means and what will happen if you are to hit one like think about the physics and it's it it only like it takes once it takes one time to feel the force of the physics involved right like and you'll you'll never look at cars as um you know <laughs> but like the force was was crazy um and like just right away i knew that there was something wrong and the ambulance came and and they did their tests and um it there's there's a lot of story to unpack there yeah i i was in the hospital for a month and a half i lost 40% of my body weight. I had to learn how to walk again. Wow. Um, they, they put me in this thing called traction where the, as a potential al alternative to surgery, they'll like, they essentially screwed, you know, you know, like a dumbbell, right? Yeah. Right? So the bar, like it holds weight. They screwed a dumbbell that like straps around your head like like a metal thing that straps around your head that has like things that you can put weights on 
They screwed this into my skull, y'all. Like, screwed wow. it, it, like, with a drill. Oh my God. A, with a drill. And <laughs> that's crazy. I was awake for this. Like, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. It felt um, for real. It felt like a like a horror movie, man. And and like all this stuff is happening to you. That like, and you're just thinking like, but this is my whole fu- like. You're thinking about your future. You're thinking about all the like the way that I saw myself. Like the way like if I was to walk past a mirror, the way I saw my like I was a star. I was this. I was that. I was gonna do this. And like you like even with all the morphine and the drugs and everything happening right away i was terrified like i was right away terrified of what was going to happen next terrified of 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 whether i was going to be who i thought i was right am i still me right and you know it it changed me in a lot of ways and and made me think about the benefits of basketball and and what I could pull out of basketball in a different way. Right, and after dealing with such a traumatic injury, like, did you ever think that you'd hoop again? I I asked the, the doctor, I don't know if you guys have seen like Friday Night Lights, uh, where Booby yeah, yeah. Miles yeah, yeah. asked the doctor, right? That mm-hmm. scene means a lot more to me. I lived through that scene where you ask the doctor, you're like, doc, like, am I going to be able to ball? Like, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. I'm in a lot of pain, but listen, am I going to be good? And he looked at me like, the look he gave me, it didn't matter what he said, because he gave me a look. That tell me that told me really everything I needed to know, right? It was like, I don't know, man, right? Like it was just like, that sucks that you asked me that, yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah, yeah. it was like, I wish you never asked me that question because I don't know, and like, ah, probably not, not the same way, right? Like, and he he kind of said that he's like, I don't know, like. I, I don't know if you'll be the same player, essentially, right? He's like, you might be able to play again, right? Um, but I don't know if, you know, you, it, it may not be quite the same, right? Like, he was the it. And, you know, I didn't really pay him any mind in my conscious brain. My conscious brain was like, all right, I'm straight. Like, he's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And... I just focused on gaining the weight back. So I hit the weight room like crazy. And I did. I gained all the weight back. Um, and like, if you saw before and after, like, it was like losing 40% is a lot. That's crazy. Um, like, I, I didn't have enough muscle to sit up in bed. Right. After, after two and a half weeks. Right. The muscle, the, the atrophy is so crazy. You, you can't even sit up in bed, right? Because you're not eating. Imagine not eating for three, three weeks, right? They're just pumping you full of just enough fluids and, you know, just enough sugar and salts and whatever electrolytes to keep you, your heart beating. Um, but no food. You haven't moved a muscle. Like, I, it's amazing how fast it'll just all wilt away, you know? And so I was focused on building all that back and I did build the muscle back, but I didn't ever feel the same in terms of just the security in my neck. Like it, it impacted the way that they, I, I didn't play the same sort of, like I was recklessly aggressive on the board, recklessly aggressive in attacking the rec- Like I, I, I didn't care. I, I like playing with, you can't play fear, you know. Um, you can't, you can't play basketball with fear. And I didn't feel, right? like I didn't just playing. I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm. But there was something that changed me from the accident. It didn't like, because I wasn't secure. 
in the same way that I was, right? So like it's a self, it's, it's self-preservation. Your, your body is saving your own life by not allowing you to do, you know, what you used to do or, or play in the same way you used to play or put your body right in harm's way in the same way that you used to, right? Because you're not, you don't have the same stability up there that you used to. Um, so it was terrifying, man. It, it, it was, it was terrifying, but I, I just started to, for me, I thought a lot about my family. I thought a lot about how hard it worked and I was, I was really angry. You know, I thought about my stepdad and people who had did me wrong. And I was like, I'm not failing. I'm not going out like this. Like this isn't it for me, you know? And I, I just started to think about, okay, so what can I do? Like, how can I still win? For me, I started, I thought a lot about winning and losing. I thought a lot about how can I win? Because I don't want to be a loser. You know, even if I can play basketball anymore, how can I use that? This is all I had. Like, all I had was football. I didn't have anything else. I didn't have a doctor in my name, any opportunities. I didn't have a place to go. I didn't have a place to, to live other than the dorms at school. Like, I didn't know what, what I would do if it didn't work out. And so thinking about how I could figure it out and still succeed in, like, thought, hey, maybe if basketball doesn't work out, I'll go to law school, right? And so I, I started loading up credits and taking as many credits as possible because I knew about this, about the graduate transfer rule that allows you to transfer anywhere without penalty and get grad, graduate school paid for, right? With scholarship money. So I just started focusing all my energy on it. Of course, I'm going to practice and, and, and doing what I can, but clearly my heart was on hedging, right? And making sure that I was gonna have something um, fall back on something to fall back on something a, a way to make a living for my family and and carry on for sure for sure so i want to jump into where we're at right now we're in 2021 and you're no longer playing basketball but you have a you mentioned earlier that you have that you work for the sixth largest law firm so, like, how was that transition for you going from knowing that your your career at one time was focusing on basketball and now you're a lawyer? How was that transition? And what advice do you have for, for anybody that might see, might not know, like, what they're originally thinking what they were meant to do, but going into a career that they can succeed in? That's, that's a great one, man. Um, first I'll just say that I think we, we all underestimate ourselves and, and what we can be based on what we've seen. And like, for me growing up, I had never seen a black doctor. I had never seen a black lawyer. It's just the way it was. Like, I, I didn't see that. That's not something that I saw. And it's it's easy to 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 internalize that right and and think i haven't seen that i i haven't had a teammate who's done that i've never heard of a basketball player who was in my situation who's done that right and therefore that's not realistic or therefore that's not an option for me um and that was really the hardest part was believing that I could do something that I didn't really have proof that I could do, right? I didn't have a proof. I didn't have an example. I, and that was really hard because I felt, man, like a lot of people laughed at me and thought I was crazy, you know? And my own coaches laughed at me, dude. They laughed in my face. And that's not, it's not easy to, to deal with that. and and keep your confidence and continue to believe in yourself. Even when people are laughing at you, 
Like it is like a lot of people talk about that, but they're over exaggerating. Like I, I really like th they were laughing at me, you know, um, and like that was one of the hardest things that I that I had to overcome because I had to keep on as those things happen and the doubt creeps in tell myself no i can do it i can do it i'm built for this right like i can do it it doesn't matter and i think the other thing like one of the biggest things that i had to kind of fix was i don't need to be the person right now who's the lawyer i don't need to be that dude right now right all i need to do is commit myself to a way of living and a plan that will help me become and grow into that dude, right? Like, because at the time that I thought about go doing this, I didn't know anything <laughs> at all about becoming a lawyer. I didn't, like, I was not the person who was capable of doing it because I didn't know anything, right? Sure. I had to learn along the way and, and kind of become that person. And, you know, and, and so that self-belief became just so 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 important um but i think what i what i kind of carried with me is is just the knowledge that um that i can do it and that my skill set and and what i've overcome and you know the adversity that, that i've been able to to maneuver and and and, and move through like that's valuable and, and that's something that now i have proof of right mm -hmm. i held yep. on to it i didn't have proof of it for a long time but um you know if, if anybody out there listening and, and watching kind of needs to know and understand that like i'm somebody who got d's and f's in school in canada who was a partial qualifier right a person who the ncaa said couldn't play basketball right away because they weren't sure I was ready for college. And I'm now somebody who represents the largest banks and financial institutions in the country. Your bank is probably my client and they come to me with their biggest problems. And Talk to the fellow. Let them really know. <laughs> Let them know, man. Let them know. Talk your shit. Yeah, man. It's just, it's just cool, man. It, it, it's, it's cool because of, where I'm from and what I've been through. And it, and I know that that's, it, it's a place that a lot of people listening have, have been through and, and probably you guys know what that looks like. And I, I just love that. And I love it because I look at my colleagues who I love them. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with them, but it's, it's funny to me. Like it, sometimes it's crazy. Like I was just out for dinner right now, you know, at, at, at a work event. And you look around the table and the net worths around that table and the life that led them to that table. And, and it, for, for most of them, it's a paved road, man. Mm -hmm. It's a paved road. They would have had to really make a mistake <laughs> to, fall, to, <laughs> right, to not make it there. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of cool. Sometimes I sit around and I'm like, this is insane. Like, I'm just part of the crew, like, you know, and I, I just want as many people as, as I can help understand that there are other ways to go pro. I'll just say that, you know, I, I have a lot of friends playing overseas. I know what that's like, and I'm not knocking it. Hoop dreams are serious. And if you are healthy and you can go for it, man. But I just think it's important for people to know there's other ways to go pro. And, and you can make a lot of money in law and finance and doing different things. You can make a lot of money doing that stuff. And mm -hmm. you can use basketball to get there. Mm -hmm. Proper, proper. I think that's the best way to end this off. So, dropping gems, got, man. Appreciate you got for to sure. The part of the podcast you guys. where we get to promote our social medias, anything that we were working on, if there's anything that you think that you should let people know about. Uh, this is the best time to promote it. So, Braden, we're going to start with you. Um, I've been working on a book. Um, it's it's not 
ready yet. It's not out yet, but I've been working on a, a book called Black Resilience. And it's, it's a response to Black Lives Matter. Um, and not really, let's not call it a response. I would say it's like the next step. It's like the next evolution, right? Okay. Because, you know, Black Lives Matter for me I, was about raising awareness. It was like, hey, listen, like, you need to pay attention to this. Everybody, yeah. stop what you're doing. Look at this. Do you know that this is happening? Right? Like, this is crazy. This is happening. It's been happening. Right. And, yeah. and I think that that it's, it was great in that way. Like there was a lot of people, a lot of white people, a lot of Watch colleagues it. who came to me and they were like, I had no idea that this was happening and it changed them. Right. But like, where do we go from there? Because here, here's the dynamic. Here's the problem with the focus on black pain. As we obsess and focus and, and, and kind of, you know, the idea of black pain and black struggle, we forget to celebrate black success and black resilience and where we are now and where we're going and what we're capable of. Uh, I've sat in a lot of diversity and inclusion meetings where they sit you down and they sat me down and they're like, you know, in a room and I'm the, in a, there'll be a hundred people there and there two black people in the room, right? And they're telling the whole room about how disadvantaged black people are. Black people can't do this. Black people have struggles in this area. We got to help them. They're struggling. And it's just not how, that's not the, that's not my energy. And, that, and that's not black energy. That's not it. We're not, we're not struggling. No, stop killing us in the streets. Stop. Stop trying to prevent us from from succeeding, right? Like we are. It's not that we're struggling and we need extra help, right? Like we're we're just trying to compete on a level playing field. Level playing right? field. Like, that's, it. Yeah. that's it. And, if, with and a, if, compete by the same rule. That's it. And if it is a level playing field, watch out, right? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you, Bill, little Billy's going to need some help. Because little Billy's not going to have a job. <laughs> you feel me? Like, I just, it always bothers me. Like, and sometimes, like, some of my classes be like, you're, because I'll storm out. Like, I just, I didn't feel, I, I hated it. Because I was like, no, I want, the, I want the biggest and baddest law firms and the biggest and baddest companies to want to hire me because I'm a badass. Because I'm yeah. a motherfucker. <laughs> not because of a diversity inclusion. No, no, no. You better hire him because he's a motherfucker right there, right? Mm -hmm. And that's all, like that's the person we want on our teams, right? Yeah. Like, and that's and that's who we are, right? And I think we just gotta. It, black resilience is just about taking control of the perception of of what blackness is. It's not. It, we have been through pain. We are we are about more than our pain, right? We have 100%. been through struggles. We're about a hell of a lot more than than our struggles, right? Thing, and so I, I've been working on that project for a while. Um, it's it's hard to place that in the publishing world because it's all white. Um, yeah. No, yeah. but it, it's something I've been working on, and if I have to self-publish it and fund that project myself, then then I'll do it. But be on the lookout for it. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. For sure, for sure. I'm definitely gonna get that. Definitely cop that. That's dope. Uh, Dwayne. Yeah, just follow me on Instagram, Chaz underscore Tannenbaum. Okay, Coach. Yeah, my my, my IG is uh, Real Deal underscore Francis, and you can catch me on the hardwood, man. Coaching, coaching. That's it. Cydc State. I'm out here. For sure. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Senator. Don't for check, don't forget to check out the Not So Soft podcast. Comes out every Friday with myself, Nino Rockwell, and Kino the Great. Also, don't forget to follow the chat room podcast on Instagram at the dot chat room pod. If you have any questions for Braden, if you have any questions for the host, if you have any takes that you want us to read on the next episode, make sure to email them to 
thechatroompod at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and share the Chatroom Podcast wherever you listen we, or watch it. We drop it every week at the same time, audio and video the same day, every Tuesday. And we try to release it around 5 o'clock Mountain Time, which is about 7 o'clock Eastern Time, so you can get it right when you're about to go to work. We get you hooked up on your way to work. And yeah, that's a that's been the chat room podcast this episode. Braden, we want to say thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We appreciate um, you, brother. That story's been crazy. Uh, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys. And uh, I love the podcast. You guys do an awesome job. And uh, I, I'm excited one day to, to meet everybody in person, man. Yeah, no doubt. Likewise, thank bread. you. Yeah, for Definitely sure, for sure. And when and when you when that book when that book is out. We, we will get it. Have you on to, to, to talk about it and promote it even more once it's out? And we definitely will support and get it. For yeah, sure. I appreciate that. So Black Resilience. I love it. Mm-hmm. And this has been the Chat Room Podcast, your favorite baller's favorite podcast. And we are out. Peace. Peace.